Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast. This programme has been brought to you by The Happy Confident Company. Our clinically approved, ready-to-go wellbeing and mental health programme will help your pupils thrive. In only 10 minutes a day, you'll be able to deliver social and emotional learning and wellbeing tools throughout your school. To find out more, visit us at www.happyconfident.com. So, welcome to today's episode or show. Um, uh, It's your host, Nazia, and I'm joined uh, by my co-host, Krupa. And like Krupa said in the int- uh, in the intro, we're focusing on stepping up into leadership, um, and we thought it's actually quite a poignant time to talk about stepping into leadership because around this time, um, mainly through the spring term up until this point, there's lots and lots of leadership positions out. Uh, a lot of the time, people hand in who are. Who, people who are in uh, leadership posts hand in their resignations or move on to new roles. So we thought we'd uh, share our important life lessons we've learned, leadership lessons we've learned along the way. Um, And so, um, Krupa, let's start with you. Before we actually begin, um, how's your week been? Good afternoon, everyone. Um, My week, my week has been really good. Um, It's been full of networking. Um, We've got a few conferences lined up, which I'm really excited about. Um, And I'm also attending the Schools and Academy show this week. So um, really looking forward to to some good stuff um, and networking this week. Um, And how about you? How's your week been? Um, I've been actually looking into some kind of professional development for myself. Nice. Um, So I visited a few schools and um yeah it's been really interesting uh i think i've got i know what i want to do now so um it's Ooh. just a matter of me just uh doing the actions i need to do to get on get on and uh, go on to the course that i want to want to do i think that i've been slightly off track i think because of the bank holiday and i think that's the same goes for anyone over the last couple of weeks it's just like the missing out and losing that monday has really um I think it's caused some issues around, you know, our workload and time management and stuff, which I, I've really felt mm. because I felt I've had to squeeze five days worth of things into four days. But actually, that's really odd because four day week is meant to be a lot more productive, isn't it? Absolutely. So, oh, and sorry, and yeah. the perspective as well from from the, the learners, it would be really interesting to, to think about at some point is, you know, the four day weeks and having them so frequently. Yeah. How does that impact their experience at school but also the you know for yourself as as a leader and and those that you work with right okay so let's move on to the topic at hand which is all to do with stepping up into leadership so we're going to just share a little bit of our journey and lessons we've learned along the way um so Krupa Hmm. you are now a consultant uh you've moved away from a senior leadership within a school setting um so my first question to you is what does stepping up mean to you good question um stepping up to me um has many lenses i think 
you know, when I first started my journey, I was very much just achieving all surface level achievements, you know, you know, meeting outcome data or, you know, uh, turning up sometimes because when you're going through the journey, it's, you're, you're doing those daily operations of doing it. But now when I think about stepping up, actually it's, it's that confidence within yourself and the agency that you have and being able to really hold on to that and hold on to that with confidence. So it's, it's taken me a mighty long time to get to this point and I'm certainly not at the point where I am, you know, feeling 100% with this, um, but I'm certainly feeling a lot more at ease with understanding that I have agency and having choice and being able to to really harness that and do something with it without having to be in 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 particular walls and 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 be placed within ceilings. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not down for that anymore. So that's that's me. How about you? What's your definition? Um, my definition of stepping up um, into specifically into leadership, um, I think that's kind of changed along the way. Mm. And I really, uh, I really kind of one of a definition which kind of really sticks to me is uh, the one that Simon Simon Sinek talks about, which is how leadership is not about taking charge. Absolutely. But it's about taking care of those you're in charge of. Mm, including yourself. So I just, that really hits home to me because of the type of school that I'm in yeah. and the type of uh, um, sector that I work in. Um, so that kind of, I think I, I'm i leaning towards that. That's for me what stepping up means. Stepping up means taking care of those you're in charge of. I like that. I really like that. Um, okay, so um, Krupa, what lessons have you learned along the way? So you've uh, you've moved away from uh, mainstream to special, uh, and along that way, you what you've done is you've also taken uh, you moved into a senior leadership role along the way. So, what has uh, what has that learning been for you like? Um, I think the learning there was, I, I remember that being the most exciting year of my life, um, professional life that is. Um, so I've always enjoyed being in schools, always you know loved being around young people, but um, something happened in 2018. I don't know what it was, um, but there was a whole heap of things that I was doing. I had a seven month baby, I had a three and a half year old, we moved house, um, you know, was doing, uh, you know, my, my master's. It was so much that was going on but I, I enjoyed it I enjoyed I felt like there was a, a sense of of thriving and I was growing in so many ways and and don't get me wrong it was really tough and and when I think about how and why I felt so motivated at that time I sort of lean into into the work um of uh Vanderweel where where he talks about five different domains so there's uh, happiness and life satisfaction mental and physical health, meaning and purpose, character and virtue, um, and close social relationships. So I think for me at that point, that that state of flourishing, that state of feeling like I'm on top of things and I'm really enjoying this, this, this sense of achievement or success, I think I ticked many of those, those boxes with those attributes. Um, but it does lend me to think, and, and this may be maybe a question for you to think about for a minute, is how often do we actually encourage activities that foster the concept of flourishing. So we've got flow, we've got flourishing, you know, that it's not being successful. I think we've made that really clear. You know, that does, it's not an outcome that you get at, 
get at the end of it. It's that sense of um, joy, that sense of flow, that sense of, uh, you know, time flies, as they say, when you're you're in this uh, phase, in this in this scenario. So, you know, how often do we actually encourage those uh, those activities? And, and do you find that space as a leader? Um, I, it's really important that actually there's, there's, there's an element of, um, flow in what you do, because that's where the satisfaction comes in, isn't it? So I'm, you know, I'm always, and that's kind of like you're, you working at your optimal, yes. isn't it? So I, I think it's really important that there's an, there's an element of flow, um, looking at peak performance, what does that mean? Mm. What does it look like? For me, when I look at flow and flourishing, I, I mean, re- I not too long ago, I actually watched this video on peak performance and um, and the thing that was highlighted specifically, it was about that idea of consistent improvement and that from a young age, like you said before, you know, you talk about this end goal um, and, and from a young age, you kind of set your sights on these end goals that like, I want to be X, Y, Z, I want to get uh, achieve xyz sure. i want to be rich i want to be have a business i want to mm. so you focus on these end goals and end points um and sometimes what happens is that along the way you kind of overlook that personal growth from the journey that you take undertake the steps in, in between absolutely so and i mean i know because my, my own kids do this and you know the <laughs> students we work with do this and we can do that sometimes when we focus on exams and mm. sats results and things we're looking at those end points the hard hard end points aren't yeah. they yeah um and actually it's you know sometimes you need to like change the way you you talk about that and rather than talk about it it's it's not a, rather than talk about it as an end destination um we may need to change that conversation uh, to who do you want to become when you get there, rather than when you rather than the conversation being about you getting there. Agreed. So it's the focus becomes on the self, and as a school leader, these things are always changing. You know, you're you're they will. I don't think, I don't believe there will ever be an end point as a school leader. There will always be things that you want to achieve, do the next thing. Absolutely. And, and you almost have to go through that journey to almost let that unravel. And let, and it's, that's a discovery in itself. And I think there's something really interesting, I'm just going to draw, draw from that, is we almost have an insatiable need to get to an end point. Because we're, we're always, we're always search, like seeking the next big thing. We, you know, we want to be on top of our our PD, we want to be on top of our, our, our home life, we want to be on top of all these wonderful things. But there is, those end goals aren't real. It's all what we choose or what we think is the hype at that point in time. And just being really able to be really real with yourself and thinking, actually, what what is it that's, that is, um, that, that we're actually seeking? What is it that we're seeking around um around our end goals do they actually exist are they in our head is that something that that we are chasing that has become like i say the the hype amongst people um the hype or the perfection oh don't i'm not a perfectionist i will try so hard to be but it's just not in it's just not in me you know what in in the book in the uh you know um the book uh, called atomic habits yes there's a he talks about that in that actually he talks about how you know 
we need to move the focus on to who we want to become as a leader and what skills and qualities mm. we would want to refine and that will then help us to create a roadmap that leads to that lasting personal success and satisfaction. I like that. I like that. satisfaction. And I think that that, you know, in a in a way, kind of, you know, pulls together all this all these ideas about leadership that we have and our kind of lessons that we've learned along the way. I know, for example, sometimes there's some people who set out to be a leader, mm. um, and they set out. They have this idea in mind of what they want to be. Um, you know, five years down the line or ten years down, I know people who are who are like that. I know of people who have sort of said, in in five years' time, I want to be a, a head teacher or I want to be in this role or that role. Uh, but sometimes what happens is that situations arise and opportunities arise, and you just you know, or you might just come to the realization, actually, I wouldn't mind being here or, or put be or be in this position or be in this role alongside you know when you're in your career path so it's really important for us to think about you know what does that mean that mm. when you step up into that leadership role whether you set out for it or whether it be, it, it just occurred the situation the opportunity arose yeah what does that actually mean and you know and do you really want it that's the other question, because sometimes like these things just appear and you think this, it sounds really good because it wasn't in your periphery and you take it on and you think this is great um, and you, you exercise skills and and the, the reality of that journey or that process also helps you define whether you want to continue with that. And, and I think sometimes what happens with leaders is you attach leadership to the title of the position more so than you do of the journey. And the journey could be miserable. You could be tired. You could not want to do this. It, it's taking far too much of your your personal joy of other things that you're doing. But you do it because actually it pays well. Because actually the title sits nicely and it it places you in in this sort of um, huge bowl of identity. Um, and I think that's where we have to be really careful because you can get sucked into thinking that this is joy. But are you really feeling like you're flourishing? Are you in sitting in a really are you seated well within that state of of well-being and flourishing outside of work but also within within your role um so it's those active ingredients that come back to again so we've kind of given a little blurb and a brief of what uh leadership generally stepping up into leadership has meant for us um and i think that it's really important that we kind of delve deeper into some of those really key lessons learned um and pointers that i think our listeners would really be interested in so if anyone is listening and wants to join in with the conversation please do we're going to move on to uh the news now and we'll uh, uh have a chat once we're back this program This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News.
stats have made the news again as many media outlets report on allegations that children were distraught after the reading paper. The BBC website reports that parents and teachers of Year 6 pupils said the paper was difficult and that it had left some pupils in tears. In response to concerns, the Department for Education said it worked to ensure that all tests are appropriate. Whilst some parents took to social media to highlight concerns, a few also acknowledged that the tests might be good in a way to have some kind of tests before GCSE, but the schools in general are under too much pressure to perform well. Copies of the test paper cannot be published until all pupils in Year 6 have had the chance to take it. Sarah Hannafin, Head of Policy for the National Association of Head Teachers, said the union was very concerned about the paper and it would be raising concerns with the Standards and Testing Agency. In Scotland, Edinburgh University students have criticised the institution's response to a marking boycott. According to BBC News, students fear their work will not be read as the university plans to continue awarding degrees without necessary expertise to cope with the UK-wide industrial action. The marking boycott is part of the latest phase of industrial action by members of the university and college union at 145 institutions across the UK. Union members are refusing to undertake marking duties and assessment-related work. In response, universities are considering a number of measures, including changing marking guidelines and basing final grades on work already submitted. Many students have expressed sympathy towards staff, but also frustration that industrial action has had little impact on anyone but students, as universities have not reopened negotiations. The University of Edinburgh said it has robust measures in place to reduce the impact of industrial action and that work, including dissertations, would be read. Schools Week comment on teacher burnout after a report from Wellbeing Service Education Support shows a quarter of leaders, teachers and support staff said additional responsibilities were adding an, on average four to six hours to their working week. 15% of staff said they were spending an extra 7 to 10 hours supporting pupils. The collapse in support services feeding into schools, including creaking mental health support and overwhelmed SEND services, has left schools and their staff struggling to cope. Jeff Barton, General Secretary of School Leaders Union ASCOL, said schools had become the de facto and unofficial branch of social and healthcare services but that a lack of training, resources or capacity was putting staff under considerable workload stress. The most common additional responsibilities included offering pupils and colleagues emotional support and dealing with difficult pupil behaviour. More than one quarter of staff surveyed said they had prepared food for pupils who didn't have any and 41% said they had purchased supplies such as pens, paper and school bags. In the same YouGov survey, two-thirds of school staff said public bodies such as CAMS and social services had been unable to offer pupils support. Further details of the findings can be found on the Schools Week website. The Guardian reported on a proposal to recruit school leavers into healthcare service apprenticeships, which would allow tens of thousands of doctors and nurses to train on the job. The NHS workforce plan could see up to one in ten doctors and one-third of student nurses trained through this vocational path in coming years. The alternative route would circumvent the standard undergraduate or graduate route. The plans have been met with criticism by unions, 
but Amanda Pritchard, Chief Executive of NHS England, has been speaking to pupils at a North East Comprehensive School, where she encouraged pupils to earn while they learn, and highlighted the 350 different roles available within the NHS. Finally, in Wales, the BBC reports that the increasing cost of food means school caterers are struggling to deliver on the Welsh Government plan for universal free school meals. The unit price was set with an assumption about possible cost increases, but Education Minister Jeremy Miles said the world has obviously moved on and a further review was needed. The current rate of around £2.90 per child in a primary school is being described as no longer viable as price increases of 20% on items like milk, cheese, fruit and vegetables take their toll. The Universal Free School Meals Plan is being rolled out in phases to all primary schools, although a target for every child in reception year one and year two to be offered a free school meal by April has been missed. The policy has been welcomed, but challenges needed to be acknowledged. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I've been searching for crazy technology. The tech I found ranges from rather funny to actually quite useful. Let's see if I can blow your mind. Everyone has probably used Google Translate at some point, even if it's just to translate a word into another language and back again to see if it changes. Well, the Google Pixel earbuds paired with the Pixel phone allow you to switch on conversation mode. Now what is being said to you in a foreign language is translated into your earbuds in real time. What you say is translated and projected via your phone. You do need an Android 6.0 or higher to do this, but this has potential to be a game changer for communicating not only when travelling, but in hospitality too. Next up is a quirkier invention, Smarty Pans. There aren't many things you can't connect to an app, and the frying pan is now joining the club. The Smarty Pan has a built-in scale to weigh your food as you add it to the pan, a handle that tells you when the pan is at temperature, and the app guides you through how to cook a meal you're preparing. Also, the nutritional content of your meal is calculated by the app. There's no advertised price for this pan yet, but keep your eyes peeled. It replaces a cookbook, reading the nutrition on a packet, and your kitchen scales, as long as you fry everything. My final crazy technology is the Hush Me. This is an invention for those concerned about being overheard by others when talking on their phone or other connected devices. It works by muffling your voice so others can't hear you, keeping private conversations private. Genius, I hear you say. I need one so I can work during my commute. Before you break out the credit card, it is a rather chunky device you wrap around your whole head. I'd describe it as a pair of large headphones that connect to a cup to cover your mouth. At just over £180 and making you look like Darth Vader, you may want to do a bit of research first. Do you know of any crazy tech? Do you own any? As always, why not get in touch at TT Radio Official? I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. So, welcome back to uh, our show, the Sunday Lunch Show with Nazi and Krupa. Um, we're talking about stepping up to into leadership, and we're coming at it from a slightly different perspective. It is mainly around, and that perspective is about how the how we have approached leadership, and also the lessons we've learned along the way, and the things that we found were actually the key kind of points uh, that we would actually give to anyone else stepping up into leadership, isn't it? Um, I think that the it's it's like these take home messages in a way, um, because 
that those conversations around leadership, the the usual ones about you know communication, being an effective communicator, and setting you know setting school development priorities and change management and all of that. That's 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 like the norm, you know. Those are things that you sh- that should happen, and they're really really important. I think that what we're focusing on specifically is like you know what it means as somebody who's who needs to change the way they perceive what it means to lead others like you're you're moving if when you're stepping up normally you're moving into that role from a slightly uh from a, a, a i suppose from a team role into that leader leader role so it could be you know you're moving from a a teacher role into senior leadership or you're moving from a lead, uh, head of something into um, assistant head or deputy ship or whatever else it may be and actually what are those behaviors mm-hmm. and that mindset that is needed to enable you to flourish in that in that role Absolutely. so uh Krupa, so that's i i I agree and I think we we also just need to take a step back and I think it's just coming back to your own perceptions of of the weight that titles hold they are not real so although we say you're moving from perhaps being a a teacher um to becoming a a senior leader for example an assistant head um you feel like you are leading others and you are somewhat however everyone should still be on that journey with you and it's at that point you've got to start looking at your relationships so you know as as a teacher as i remember being an nqt and, and being able to build relationships as my NQT was a very different set of understanding and almost like a safety net until I was qualified. Something happened on the day where I was, <laughs> where I gained my QTS and I felt like, oh, I, I, I am a, a teacher that's worthy and that has been signproof because I was looking for that external validation. Um, so what do you mean it's not real? Obviously it's real because you get paid for it. It's a, it's a job title and it has... It has a place within the structure and the organization. So what do you mean that it's not real? It's it's based on how how meaningful those outcomes are. So when I say it's not real, you are still aiming, where, be it a teacher or a senior leader, your outcomes still are, are aligned with what the greater vision is going to be. Agreed? Mm-hmm. Do you agree that you you want every learner in your, your learning space to be making progress? Okay, Do yeah. you agree that you want to be present and hear those young people in, in the classroom and be able to offer them the space and time for them to be understood, therefore they can grow? Okay. Okay. So when we think about titles, what I'm trying to say is not to be so attached as being superior. Mm-hmm. You, your, your being is not superior. Your intention, you may have greater resources that may enable you to have the agency to be able to do things slightly differently. But all of those things are are needed to work within something greater. And leadership, I felt when I moved from um, from sort of assistant headship into, into headship, and this was, this was given during COVID, it's a very lonely place. It's a really lonely place because you think there are certain things that you can't share or, or say, or you have to sort of keep everything uh, together that sometimes it doesn't appear authentic. And I think actually it comes back down to rapport, trust and relationships. You know, you have your team with you, you lead collectively. When you lead collectively, you actually start having these grassroots ideas that can start blossoming in other ways um, without it having to always be coming from the top. 
you know, we can flatten that hierarchy and still have great impact. So you're right when you say, you know, um, there are posts where you, you are being paid for and that remuneration is around that there. But but what are those behaviours which you talked about um, that help you or help that that cohort of leaders? Because I think everybody in that building are leaders, including the young people. That's what we should be aiming for. How do we make that distinction? How would you make that distinction for you when you're in your school? So, I mean, the thing is, is that, yeah, there's elements of leadership across across the school generally. But I don't, I suppose what I'm trying, what I'm trying to say is, is that there's, um, you know, the role exists. It is there. You are the leader. You are take. You are responsible. In and in essence, you are accountable. The buck stops with you. Right. So accountability is a different question now. Go on. Keep going. Yeah. yeah. So that role does exist. That position does exist. So the accountability exists. Yeah. yeah. So in so from that perspective, I just wanted to just understand what you meant that this this is not it's not real. Like what what do you mean? Like it's it's not real. I think where it's almost like a mask. People leave the house, top of the day, I'm going in as head teacher. You put your lanyard, lanyard around your neck mm. and you think, right, okay, I've got to make sure all my ducks in a row, every young person is learning, every, you know, um, cover sorted, all those things. And they are really important things. However, you have got a whole stream of competent leaders, whatever their titles are, that are on your side. What are you doing as a leader to encourage that flourishing mindset, to encourage that beyond you. You know when a system is working well, when you leave and they are able to continue go, growing, not, not to continue staying where they are, to continue to grow. And I think actually titles are important somewhat. I mean, I'm, I've got thoughts about that, but I think if we come back to purpose and we come back to why schools exist, what is happening and what's going on for each body in that building at that point in time will always come back to my core purpose which is doing the right thing even though it is not about doing that process right it's about always doing the right thing even if it creates a bit more work or it creates a bit more uncertainty for, for a small period of time actually the long-term goal is to actually do the right thing by by that the people that, that you work with mm. so what so in essence what you're saying is that there's um, it's not that it's it's not real because it is real. It's, it exists. It's there. It's the fact that actually it's not the real thing that we should be focusing on. No. And and I, and the reason why I come from this angle is mm. now that I'm moving away from um, you know such titles and thinking about what what skills do I have, the security in myself and the confidence of what I can bring as a consultant is very different to when I would, like I say, put a lanyard around my neck that says that this is my, my job title, for example. I can still do all those things. I can be quite interconnected in those skill sets and be able to present that and support others with that. But that isn't a definition of who I am. My, my professional identity isn't who I am. Um, and it's, it's a big chunk of our lives, but it's, it's taking that step back. And it's a really, you know, um, a, a tricky journey to go on um, because you're really stripping back a lot of things. Um, but being able to to sit with yourself and, and just think, actually, what do I offer? What can I do? What can I bring that's going to make an experience um, better for, for those that you work with? Okay, so um, what was it like for you to step up into headship then? So I remember the first decision I had to make was... Um, 
COVID had, we'd gone back into lockdown, it was January. And one of the decisions was, um, I was presented with a section 44, I don't know if you remember that, where the unions were saying, oh, you know, we've got to keep staff safe, we, they shouldn't be on site. Um, now, working in a special setting and knowing, you know, the, the needs for safeguarding, we had to very quickly think about, um, could we open on site, but also have a safe virtual uh, setting that we could provide, being able to connect with um, all, all the beings that we were presented with, you know, young people, families and staff. Um, and like I said, at that point, I remember just feeling really alone, like, my goodness, I feel like I've got the world on my shoulders. What's the right thing to do? It's almost like a moral dilemma. You know, it's it was a really tough journey. And, and if we think about when I was back moving from head of year, uh, teacher of science in a large mainstream school to an assistant head, I had those five domains that were, were, were ticking along quite nicely. But now all of a sudden, you know, my social support wasn't quite there. Um, we were exercising at given times because we were allowed to healthy eating, sleep, all those sort of basics were, were sort of there, but also there was this sense of fear and it was fear for life because you worry about yourself, your young people, your own personal, you know, your families and those relationships um, when when COVID caused us to, to sort of go back into lockdown again. Um, so <clears throat> that for me, I went back into complete survival. And I think I stayed there for, for, for a significant amount of time. Um, and so I had to really think about um, what was the right thing to do and how could we make sure that provided reassurance, it provided a considerate approach in all the decisions that I was making. And that was a time that I really felt like I connected with my SLT at that point in time. And I realised I it didn't need to feel as lonely as, as it needed to feel. It, I had a team of people that were also on this journey with me and actually together we were better and they were able to challenge me um with with some of the decisions that i could make so I'm, i'll always be you know grateful for that that relationship so there. a real growing moment a huge growing moment yeah. huge growing moment okay so uh and then you know now you've moved away from um headship and you've moved towards more kind of consultancy uh role so so you're not working in a school within the school structure per se you're working slightly outside of that what has that journey been like in terms of the leadership that you stepping into a different type of leadership for i think it's been tough <laughs> uh, i'd be lying if i say it's been easy um it's it's been tough it, it's if you think about the stages of grief that uh, grief that uh, um, Ross talks about and and you you move from from denial and feeling quite confused um, to many a time feeling quite anxious. What am I doing? Should I be doing this? Am I quite ready? You know, who, how do I go about approaching this? Designing a business plans, all these sort of things that I've not really thought through before, but now having to do myself um, to to feeling quite overwhelmed. Um, and what I have found just in those three stages before I even get to to where we where we're going to talk about networking and so on and so forth. Um, that that sort of it's a pendulum. You don't stay in one place, you move back and forth. And that could happen from day to day, from moment to moment. So I'm on a huge, another huge steep learning curve. Um, I feel like now that I'm saying this out loud and you're we're walking through my journey, I, I think I bring this upon myself. <laughs> where it's like, ah, okay, what next? 
what do I need to do? And and actually, I need to appreciate there is a confidence in that. I need to appreciate that I know deep down I will have to find a way. And you do. You do. You, there is no, no ifs or buts about it. You have to find a way. Um, and so, you know, presenting my my experiences, we know that that life is is subjective. We know that it's it varies from human to human. We know it varies from position to position. Um, but just being okay with going solo, feeling brave enough to have or to build a new identity professionally. So I'm very much at the early stages of that. Um, like I said, some days are better than others. Um, but it's it's allowing myself to to ride ride that journey, and I'll get to acceptance, no doubt. It's just over a period of time, so it's all very fresh. Right. So, um, so when you talk about um, moving at that acceptance point. Is there are there uh, is there anything that you're kind of thinking right? These are the these are the um, leadership elements, or you know, that I need to learn lean into. This is what I need to step into. What am I? Because you've 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 been through your stages, mm. and you've I don't I you've kind of accepted the fact that right you're you don't work in a school anymore. You've 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 you're trying to you've mastered not mastered but you've kind of gotten over that that element of grief that is linked to working within a structure where you feel like part of that community sure. but actually you're you're not doing that anymore you're doing something slightly different so with, what elements of leadership do you think you're learning into leaning into now what is how are you stepping up now so i think for me i'm stepping up in terms of networking you know being able to to brand myself being being able to uh, network outside of that so where I was part of a place that had a sense of belonging you know you've got your structures you have your classrooms you have your set building sort of things I now have this 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 place in flex this place in flex comes with me so where I go is where I go with with my own brand with my own thinking with my own authentic self um, and not having to 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 be having that wider scope for belonging, if that makes sense. I'm having to seek that within myself, but also build a really strong network around me. Um, and that's been really interesting, but also that that it comes back to the key concepts of agency. Um, so I need to, I am on that journey of sort of understanding for me what the right conditions are for, for agency. And once you recognize that, you then have to acknowledge your own uh, and appreciate your own sense of agency, um, because if you don't do that, then how do you enact it? That psychological step up needs to happen. Actually, I am worthy. I do have the skill set. And if I don't, I'm loving this conversation because I'm growing. My ego will allow me to do that. Um, and so when I do feel that, oh, this is a bit out of my depth, it's not It's not a negative. It really isn't. It, it has to be a place of growth. And how do I connect those dots to be taking up? Um, next steps and and growing that and I like that there is no sense of major structure there is no major timetables I need to follow um so for me that that brings great a great sense of wonder yeah um the the other element that I wanted to draw into this conversation is while we talked you know I I'm as you can hear thinking about human flourishing and, and what that looks like and the attributes that make that successful um, is also thinking about 
how I'm beginning to understand things on a major zoomed out level. So I'm looking at policies and I think, well, actually, there is a whole lot of work that we need to be bringing in around policies um, and education to actually really understand power and understand um, agency. And I think once we've understood that and we actually have tangibles there, it will actually make education and the learning experience transformational. And I think you start, you've started that with your post at this point in time. You, you know, the learners that you have where you are have the agency to have the space to describe what's going on for them. They have a language that enables them to choose what they are going to say and do next. That's really powerful. But these are happening in pockets. It's not happening nationally. So I think that there is a bigger scope. There's a bigger lens here that we need to take a step back. And I think only now being in this position where I'm not institutionalized, how I say it, I'm looking on a, on a, on a wider scale. I think actually there, there is big work that can happen. You know, we've got the power of AI now that is coming in, that, that digital step of all of that. So how are we going to manage that? And these are some of the conversations I'm looking to, to have with, with other people around this uh, in terms of um, policies and um, how we can build that sense of agency and, and community spaces and thinking about grassroots sort of social impact and, and what education could sound like and feel like. Right, that's enough about me. How about you, Nazia? So um, I've kind of like, uh, so like, I feel like the way you've responded to this idea of stepping up into leadership has been quite like humanistic, you know what I mean? Like you're coming at it from a very human angle, you know, about, you know, bringing the best out of people in mm. terms of, you know, the focus should be on the element of flourishing in mm. whichever role position whatever you're doing you want to flourish and you want to find flow in it and i feel like that is just like a you know it's such a it's a, just such a great perspective for me i'm a little bit more like blue you know when it comes to <laughs> leadership and i i do i do really i do have an element of conformity in terms of you know i look to sources you know when I'm when I'm looking at, at stepping up into leadership so and and what I do look at is I look at uh, I observe and I learn from people and I absolutely love doing that I love doing if I if I could do something I, I, would, <laughs> I would shadow the people in the world that, uh, I, you yeah, know, that I look I love up that. to yeah. you know like that is just my thing so um, my biggest learning as a leader has been actually working with people who you know, may not have done the right thing. And mm. I've learned from their mistakes, um, or who I feel didn't do the right thing. Um, so they have been, the, those leaders have been, and this was quite early on in my career, I learned mm. what not to do as a leader. And it just like, you know, I, I just took it on board and it went in my head. And so can I just pause it? Is that, is that because of how that behavior of the leaders that you think we should, that had triggered a uh, a feeling yeah. because actually when you're a leader you you you're going in with your brain aren't you mm -hmm. saying right rationally on paper this is what i need to be doing because actually I'm, I'm being able to manage several things because that's how you see things from from a you know particular post or position wherever whatever your your setting may look like but but when you're saying what not to do what's the difference what why does that stick with you where are those feelings from I think they're, they're mainly actually from um, to do with the fact that 
as when you're when you're in, uh, early, in your early years of teaching you're kind of trying to make sense of yourself as a teacher yeah. you know and then you gain some responsibility you're trying to make sense of yourself in the on leading that element of responsibility and then when you move on you're trying to gain some sense of what it means to you know to be in that position and i i feel like along the way i have learned quite early on that if i don't lead uh lead through my values i will i will not be happy you know and so i've kind of for me it's been i've looked at certain leadership behavior and i've said that's not aligned with how i feel how i think what i believe to be mm. the right way forward but then there's been another element which is actually what was the purpose and the reason behind that decision that was so made listening compassionately yeah so yeah. and and sometimes uh the the reasoning or the impact of that decision that that leader may not have seen but the people feel yes you know so yes. that those have been my biggest learning points i would say moving on from that i would say that i kind of like tried I went out especially when I moved into senior leadership I kind of like was looking at okay what kind of what should I be doing what should I shouldn't I be doing so I kind of made this note of this like this abc that I should do okay. so I've got this abc in my head a being absorb information so when I moved from a senior into a senior leadership position into another school my this was a this was my this was my kind of not my motto but this is what i was following in my head a absorb information because if i absorb information and there's lots of information to take in when you're so in a new, much when yes. you're in a new yeah. school and in a leadership role i was just thinking okay i'm responsible for this x number of people i'm responsible for these areas mm. i need to absorb as much information as possible gain an understanding of that context in order for me to make the best decisions moving forward one and my b was be respectful because actually that school and those people have been on their own journey yes they have been uh, they have their own past their history mm. that that school has had its own journey and its achievements and successes and what not so in order to build trust i had to be respectful of that journey that yeah. they've been irrespective on. of whether you yeah. agreed with the, how things have been okay yeah and then my c was to communicate consistently so yes. uh, communicate consistency consistently and with clarity and uh, and the, the where that came from was the fact that whenever there's someone new in that position and and what happened with me i i know specifically was that there had been lots of internal candidates as well oh. so I was like okay there's someone new coming in mm. there's people who had gone for that position mm. they didn't get it so there's big question mark hanging over my head sure and there's probably anxieties of course as well linked to that so there's how do i remove those anxieties how do i remove those question marks on my head is to communicate consistently and with clarity mm. so i kind of followed my abc and that was just how i moved forward in my in my role like that's how i started off in my role but actually as i was growing into the um into my headship role there's other lessons that i learned along the way and then one of them was about and especially because i start set up the school so i you know i had a very small team to begin with and I, again i had to change my perspective regardless of how many people i'm leading even if it's one person i'm leading i need to make sure that my leadership drives the team's successes yes, yes. and and drives the success for the team as a whole mm. not just 
for me as a leader mm-hmm. yeah because I did it's not about me proving myself as a leader it's about me you know achieving what we're set out to do sure in the setting up of the school so I had to really step into that and I had to put a lot of planning into place in in terms of you know when I was recruiting building an inclusive team um when and you know for and when I was working with my team, uh, you know, through the one-to-ones and through our group meetings is trying to uh, trying to help them find their potential and foster that potential in them. Because again, new setup, new school, you know, Comes it's, it's, flourishing. it's yep. from, it's, yep. you know, from, it's from scratch. And in a way, I knew I was the glue that was holding that team together, sure. you know? So as a leader, I'm like, that changed my perception as well. Mm. But then underpinning that, at all times, even when I moved into uh, assistant headship, even when I moved into the headship position, there was this element of integrity. Like mm. that always was my ground. Yeah, you know that Your was the ground line. that I stood on because, and and that again came from me looking and observing the leaders that I worked with, and the different types of leaders that I interacted with mm. over the course of my career. Of course, um, because people listen i listen look i was a teacher an early christian i was listening to my leaders i was watching their every move mm. you know and so people listen to you as a leader people watch you even when you don't think they're watching you they are watching they're you. watching you even and hearing, and, aren't they? Yeah, yeah and 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 even those passing comments that you make mm. as well they listen to those passing comments they all have an impact they, places judgment it becomes value laden doesn't yeah. it yeah so judgment. it's really important for me as as a leader that i follow through on my word i stay true and i show up every single day so those were my key kind of key pointers key mm. things that i had in my head around leadership and stepping up you know that's what it really meant to me from one role to the next to the next but i've got to ask we've just got, i've got to ask what should you not do what are the things that you saw <laughs> that you're just like no <laughs> i am not doing that because now i need to know that you said it um there's lots of things but there's one one thing one thing i would say that is really important is not make people cry oh not make people cry not get people upset to the point where they are crying. Mm. I think that that is just, and 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 you be the reason that they cry. Yeah, that's hard. That, you know, that, that if there's hard, anything that you're gonna do in this world, mm. is be kind. Yeah, be kind is a good is a good mantra, isn't it? Just be kind. You know, so and and people may get upset because of the situation they're in, but don't be the cause of that. Mm. I think for me, it's um, say what you're going to do. Mm. I have a huge bugbear around people who just say, oh, they all, all talk, and but you don't see them in action. And so at first I bought into it, I was like, this is great, love it, amazing, refreshing. And then I'm like, but I'm not really seeing you say what you're doing. And then th- those cogs don't seem to align with mine. I just think if you're going to say something, model it, be on the ground, get in your class. You know, I talk throughout the whole time. Um, including headship um, because I think there is something about when you talk about integrity for me that's integrity that's saying I know what it feels like to be in the classroom I understand the learners that we're that we went in you know uh, this is a a we're on this ship together um and taking those steps with them um, and there are other times where you have to take steps 
to to make decisions for the collective. Um, but I, I think, you know, leaders need to just get stuck in and be on the ground mm. where possible. I know that's not always easy, um, but just keep really human and, you know, and seek humour. Humour is one thing that I really enjoy as well with leaders. You know, mm. I think that's a, a definite a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing to, to steer away from is don't say something and not do it. Mm-hmm. And then as that comes back to your communication and your clarity and sticking with your words and, and what that, that feels like, but also um, seek moments of joy, you know, mm-hmm. seek moments of humour with your team, with your with with everyone that you're working with, because mm-hmm. that's always, it just makes them not want to cry. <laughs> um, so for me, it's like, and so going back to that original thing about, you know, leadership is behaviour, not position. Yes. You know, I... I really, um, I really truly kind of, it just hits home with me through mm. everything that, you know, I've been through in terms of my journey within leadership. And Simon's, again, I'm going to go back to Simon. I don't know why I'm using his quote so many, maybe because I just recently read uh, read his book and stuff. So it's like lots of fresh. things are hitting home. Yeah, it's yeah. fresh. But he kind of summarizes leadership in a really simple way and again you know these it's these analogies the analogies are the thing that really help you understand absolutely you know so he he gave this this analogy he said like if you go to the gym once and come back and look in the mirror you're not going to see a change straight away or like if you if you brush your teeth you know (laughs) (laughs) i I did go this week um so if it's like or if you brush your teeth twice a day uh, for two minutes in one day, you're not going to see a difference in the amount of plaque on your teeth. Agreed. Right? Um, that's not the thing that makes the difference. But you have to continue to show up. You have to commit to it. It's that consistency that makes the difference, not the intensity. And that really hit home to me. And it's the, and over a period of time, it's the accumulation of the things that you do. It's not a single moment in time that makes the leader. It is the accumulation of lots and lots of things that you do over a period of time as a leader when you're leading people. So, and when, and when you're doing those actions that enable trust, um, for example, you know, um, asking someone how they're doing and actually caring about the answer that they give. And then, again, I'm not just asking them once no. in, in a whole term, no. but, you know, regularly check in with, with your team, with your people. Um, and it's that consistency that will enable you to build that trust and make you the leader you want to be, but also make you have the impact you want to have as a leader. I think it takes away that concept of, of transactional. You know, um, so you, you, there are many leaders that would just come in, serve the purpose, come, and that's fine. That's that's their that's their style. And but but actually, it's it, what's interesting is with that you definitely see uh, a uh, data around uh, retention and the lack of it. Uh, whereas the the leaders that 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 we're trying to express um, in terms of you know flourishing, in terms of of clarity, in terms of being present and and a sincere care. Um, and, and there's a fine line between that because actually you still need to have um, a balance in what that looks like because you still need to make sure you're meeting need in for, for the collective, as I say. But um, it's it's important that you are addressing those and being really poignant and being really uh, intentional around those conversations. Um, so keeping, you know, when we say open door policy, it's not literally keeping your door open, but actually for a person to feel like they can walk in and say, Do you know what, I'm having a really tough moment, can I? 
can can I just have a moment? Can I have a moment of your time? Um, and that 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 speaks volumes, I think. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Uh, now we are coming to almost coming to the end of our first segment around the lessons learned, and I uh, will go to the news in a minute. And but what I want to do is I want us to kind of like pull all of that kind of information together into like a summary format of yes. what we think are those key lessons. So let's literally just list them out, I think, um, once we come back from the news. So um, speak to you in a bit. This program has been brought to you by the Happy Confident Company. Our clinically approved, ready to go, well-being mental health program will help your pupils thrive. In only 10 minutes a day, you'll be able to deliver social and emotional learning and well-being tools throughout your school. To find out more, visit us at www.happyconfident.com. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Stats have made the news again as many media outlets report on allegations that children were distraught after the reading paper. The BBC website reports that parents and teachers of Year 6 pupils said the paper was difficult and that it had left some pupils in tears. In response to concerns, the Department for Education said it worked to ensure that all tests are appropriate. Whilst some parents took to social media to highlight concerns, a few also acknowledged that the tests might be good in a way to have some kind of tests before GCSE, but the schools in general are under too much pressure to perform well. Copies of the test paper cannot be published until all pupils in Year 6 have had the chance to take it. Sarah Hannafin, Head of Policy for the National Association of Head Teachers, said the union was very concerned about the paper and it would be raising concerns with the Standards and Testing Agency. In Scotland, Edinburgh University students have criticised the institution's response to a marking boycott. According to BBC News, students fear their work will not be read as the university plans to continue awarding degrees without necessary expertise to cope with the UK-wide industrial action. The marking boycott is part of the latest phase of industrial action by members of the university and college union at 145 institutions across the UK. Union members are refusing to undertake marking duties in assessment-related work. In response, universities are considering a number of measures, including changing marking guidelines and basing final grades on work already submitted. Many students have expressed sympathy towards staff, but also frustration that industrial action has had little impact on anyone but students, as universities have not reopened negotiations. The University of Edinburgh said it has robust measures in place to reduce the impact of industrial action and that work, including dissertations, would be read. Schools Week comment on teacher burnout after a report from Wellbeing Service Education Support shows a quarter of leaders, teachers and support staff said additional responsibilities were adding an, on average four to six hours to their working week. 15% of staff said they were spending an extra seven to ten hours supporting pupils. The collapse in support services feeding into schools including creaking mental health support and overwhelmed SEND services, has left schools and their staff struggling to cope. 
Jeff Barton, General Secretary of School Leaders Union ASCO, said schools had become the de facto and unofficial branch of social and healthcare services, but that a lack of training, resources or capacity was putting staff under considerable workload stress. The most common additional responsibilities included offering pupils and colleagues emotional support and dealing with difficult pupil behaviour. More than one quarter of staff surveyed said they had prepared food for pupils who didn't have any, and 41% said they had purchased supplies such as pens, paper and school bags. In the same YouGov survey, two-thirds of school staff said public bodies such as CAMS and social services had been unable to offer pupils support. Further details of the findings can be found on the Schools Week website. The Guardian reported on a proposal to recruit school leavers into healthcare service apprenticeships, which would allow tens of thousands of doctors and nurses to train on the job. The NHS workforce plan could see up to one in ten doctors and one third of student nurses trained through this vocational path in coming years. The alternative route would circumvent the standard undergraduate or graduate route. The plans have been met with criticism by unions, but Amanda Pritchard, Chief Executive of NHS England, has been speaking to pupils at a North East Comprehensive School, where she encouraged pupils to earn while they learn, and highlighted the 350 different roles available within the NHS. Finally, in Wales, the BBC reports that the increasing cost of food means school caterers are struggling to deliver on the Welsh Government plan for universal free school meals. The unit price was set with an assumption about possible cost increases, but Education Minister Jeremy Miles said the world has obviously moved on and a further review was needed. The current rate of around £2.90 per child in a primary school is being described as no longer viable, as price increases of 20% on items like milk, cheese, fruit and vegetables take their toll. The Universal Free School Meals Plan is being rolled out in phases to all primary schools, although a target for every child in reception year one and year two to be offered a free school meal by April has been missed. The policy has been welcomed, but challenges needed to be acknowledged. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I've been searching for crazy technology. The tech I found ranges from rather funny to actually quite useful. Let's see if I can blow your mind. Everyone has probably used Google Translate at some point, even if it's just to translate a word into another language and back again to see if it changes. Well, the Google Pixel earbuds paired with the Pixel phone allow you to switch on conversation mode. Now what is being said to you in a foreign language is translated into your earbuds in real time. What you say is translated and projected via your phone. You do need an Android 6.0 or higher to do this, but this has potential to be a game changer for communicating not only when travelling, but in hospitality too. Next up is a quirkier invention, Smarty Pans. There aren't many things you can't connect to an app, and the frying pan is now joining the club. The Smarty Pan has a built-in scale to weigh your food as you add it to the pan, a handle that tells you when the pan is at temperature, and the app guides you through how to cook a meal you're preparing. Also, the nutritional content of your meal is calculated by the app. There's no advertised price for this pan yet, but keep your eyes peeled. It replaces a cookbook, reading the nutrition on a packet, and your kitchen scales, as long as you fry everything. My final crazy technology is the Hush Me. This is an invention 
for those concerned about being overheard by others when talking on their phone or other connected devices. It works by muffling your voice so others can't hear you, keeping private conversations private. Genius, I hear you say. I need one so I can work during my commute. Before you break out the credit card, it is a rather chunky device you wrap around your whole head. I'd describe it as a pair of large headphones that connect to a cup to cover your mouth. At just over £180 and making you look like Darth Vader, you may want to do a bit of research first. Do you know of any crazy tech? Do you own any? As always, why not get in touch at TT Radio Official. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Right, so welcome back. Um, so we're going to summarize uh, our take-home points, I think. Sounds good. Yeah, so this is from our perspective through the leadership journeys that we've been on and through the those kind of that learning we've, we've had from, you know, our own reading and talking to other people, talking to other leaders. This, of, you know, what are our take-homes in terms of stepping up into leadership? Yeah. Sounds good. Okay, so um, my first one is appreciation. And I know Mm. we didn't speak about this much, Mm. but I think one element of uh, stepping up is that um, you're taking on somebody else's role. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. And that somebody may have been a dear person Mm. to the team. So it's really important that you appreciate, and I did. I think we did touch on this earlier, you appreciate that the journey that that team has been on, those Absolutely. people have been on, that the school has been on. And that leader. And, yeah. You know, it's not easy moving on. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and to be honest, people uh, may already be, in, may still continue to be, remain friends. Yes. Or be in touch with that previous, that your predecessor. Yeah. So it's really important that, you know, you don't kind of bad talk them. You appreciate their previous successes absolutely uh and you don't downplay them either you know no uh, so by stepping up as a leader you, you know i think it's really important that you this comes from a place of power and we spoke about this in our previous convers in our previous show about that you know your conversations about um you know what the uh, what the what the team journey has been like should come from a place of power it should be an appreciation of where they are where they where they've been where they've come from and how you're going to move forward and 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 take them further and make that impact deeper or you know um lead the team so that you know you achieve the vision that you set out to do you know this brings me back to uh riperi and thinking about what what was going on for her you know, and and actually the appreciation that you know that her school will be having for her, the circumstances are, are just tragic. But actually, if you think about many leaders that are moving on, it's taking a step back and thinking we we all want the best. We all want to, and we may do things differently. And that respect around the diversity of leadership and being inclusive in our thinking. And we don't need to agree with everything, but there needs to be appreciation for even the things that have gone wrong because it gives you work to do it moves you forward and it may not feel like that point at that point in time but it just helps you to think right I need to it's now my you've passed the baton on it's not this is mine and you know again moving away from the all egotistic 
I am the leader and I'm going to be this champion heroic person is actually, no, this is, we're, we're moving on, we're evolving. It's an evolving journey um, from the prior person or people to the journey that will be happening now, but also hopefully the person that takes from takes on from your, from you. You know, you want to have that positive relationship. I still think fondly of all the young people and, and, and practitioners that I worked with throughout my learning uh, journey. Um, and, and I really hope that that's, that's all that continues to be a positive relationship, which I've maintained. Um, and it's such a it's such an important part in terms of networking and your next steps as well. So I, I, I absolutely respect that mm. sincerely. Um, and so, you know, part and parcel of that appreciation of of the journey of the previous leader or the previous uh, of of uh, the school, the successes and, you know, what they've been through is that the element of, of finding that balance because what you want to be able to do is especially if you're stepping up from you know if you're if you step up from within the team yes so it's like an internal uh step up from um the position you are in is that you want to find the right balance between closeness and distance so you want to be able to um you want to be able to uh, link with with uh, you know find some kind of connection with mm. with with your team um and you and it, it's a great feeling being liked you want to be liked um but actually what's more important is and what's more and what's paramount is the respect and you want to be able to move forward as someone who's trustworthy who's fair who's honest in everything you do mm. rather than be known for what you may have done sure so you want to create some kind of balance as you move forward as a leader and i think that that's uh it's really important you know we can we can all kind of point fingers um and say this person should have done better or this this should have happened or that should have happened and people may even point fingers at you and it's about us learning from that and just like you know being mature and and um yeah i, I say be an adult and then you, you see adults that are not very adult like yeah. but you're you're right and i think modeling that and being able to to i think if that's is that stepping into a be- being a better being mm. um and um finally um my third point was around you know the the communication the behaviors mm. the leadership behaviors and one core leadership behavior is employing a range of communication tools to with your team and make communication purposeful we are in a highly stressful industry so enhancing different ways of communicating is really vital to reducing all those additional stresses and again um you know there's been really uh you know difficult times uh, that we've been through, that the sector is going through, that people are going through within education. So it's really important that we, as much as possible, um, appreciate the appreciate that communication is key for us moving forward. And um, you know, there's lots of different ways that you can do that. You know, you could have appreciation boards and standing huddles and things like that. And you know, it's 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 fine. You know, you create the kind of communication streams and 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 um, techniques and tools within your school that work for you. So I think that that's really important as a leader. That those are the things that I focused on, Krupa. Right. So for me, I think summarize um, my take on on our discussion today would be the first thing is to, is to seek agency, know that you have it. I think we often think that we're so bound by job descriptions or 
uh, operations or whatever you know your, the, the day to day may feel like, and you almost sort of take that on uh, quite seamlessly. But also that being able to check in and say, "Hang on, wait, where's my choice in this? Is there better ways of doing things?" Um, and being able to vocalize that. So an awareness of of your teams, of your choices, um, and being able to you know have that consistent, meaningful evaluation point. And being able to do that will actually harness some real quality agency um, that could that could unleash your power, I believe. Um, and from that, you you then create flow. So that's my number two. So create seasons and of flow. Um, and so there are times where you are sprinting and you're having to get lots done, and, and that's absolutely fine. But there's also many more seasons where you can actually be thinking about what's the long term, how are we going to go about doing that, and gaining that buy-in and hearing those. Um, those perspectives. So, so creating environments where people can think, where people can be creative with you is really, really transformational in terms of leadership. So creating flow. So by setting scenes, by setting, um, by setting scenes, by setting um, the environment that is conducive to that is really exciting. And the third thing is, um, enable to, to enable flourishing relationships so the, the first one i said was to seek agency whilst you're doing that you will be able to create environments where flow can be at its best i hope um and and then flourishing can happen that the sense of, of of flourish and and how that can really be felt in your setting is really special um and that means being sincere in your relationship so that, that ties in really well with with your three points that, that you've just discussed so can I now bring us to what um, I wish I knew earlier? Well, actually, before we do that, it's uh, how would you lean into or harness your next step? So that is, what is the thing that you feel you need to lean into moving forward? Do you know, I think not comparing journeys. Mm. Just not like there is learn, everyone has something to give and everyone wants to share something good um so i think it's taking on the view that no one is better than it's we're on a journey we're all evolving and it's okay if we do it at different rates at different paces in different designs um but it's, it's the, the appreciation of authenticity um which i think is has been my my, my i think where i found most confidence mm -hmm. i i i'm so okay with my journey that I, I can now see the beauty in everyone else. I think that's, there's a lot there. And respecting other people's journeys, whatever that entails. Absolutely. And however, however it's ended up or however it started, just respecting that journey that others are going on. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think for me, it's, it's not to compare journeys, but to embrace them mm. and to find something within that to take away and think, I really like that. That's, that's made me think. Um, and I, you thank them for it and be explicit in that. It doesn't need to be implicit either. Let's get better at being explicitly appreciative of, of what, what we're, we're engaging with. Mm. How about you? Um, for me, the thing that I need to, uh, that I've always thought it's really important for all leaders to lean into, uh, and me included in this, you know, we, is that is pressure. Yes. You know, pressure comes with the role of leadership. It does. Um, and at different points, pressure will be more intense than other times so you know like the in in a lot of primary schools uh there's, there's been sats happening and yeah. that has been a real pressure point uh, i know for example uh, some teachers who have been working 60 hours really you know to get surprised. the mark you know to get the um 
things done, the quality assurance and things in order. So I, it's these are there. There will always be these intense moments. So whether it's exam time, whether inspection time, whether it's at that point when you're reviewing targets and yes. uh, and you know those end of year school development priorities. Um, challenging when there's challenging moments when within your staffing team you know it may be recruitment issues and, or things like that so um it's important that we learn to deal with it effectively um whether it be and there's lots of ways that people are doing that now mm. you know whether it be through coaching mm. whether it be you know and i know that for example me I, what i like to do is i like to landscape my diary and um my time Yes, landscaping is really yeah, effective, so, absolutely. Um, and, you know, you may want to even, you know, look at the longer term elements of that pressure, you know, how are you going to break down that pressure, working towards building an effective team that will help in the long run, build, break up that pressure um, and cultivating a positive school culture that will make dealing with pressure easier. Uh, and so, you know, be comfortable. So my I'd say my lean into mm. for stepping up into leadership is be comfortable with dealing with pressure, pressure. and find ways to um, deal with it efficiently. Yeah. Okay. So um, I wish I knew earlier. Uh, what did you wish you knew earlier, Cooper? In terms of stepping up to leadership, yeah. I think just stepping up generally. Um, I wish I knew that your journey is not going to be like any other journey. No, and that actually it's it's okay for it not to to be a straight line. Yeah. You know, the squiggly line career and all that, you know, you hear about. And I think, again, it's just, I wish I knew. Sorry, I didn't mean to put words in your mouth. Really but just, I, it's, just, it's just because I know what journey you've been on. That's why yes. I'm, I kind and, of like. And, and it's just, it's, it's embracing that. And I think I wish I, I wish I knew earlier that instead of being fearful of change and being fearful of it, no, not going in, in a specific trajectory, that, that it's okay for that. It's okay for it to be what it is and to, to view it with softer eyes, with, being tender with the words that we use um, and and being still. So I wish I knew I, that I I could be this person, that I could exercise these skills to, to be a better human, I hope, um, to be a better listener and to, to be a, a better person within the world of education and, and to support um, all those that, that, that engage with me. So, yeah, I think that's it. How about you? Um- what I wish I knew earlier, and I don't know, and I don't know why they haven't got this in ITT. And if there's the idea ITT providers out there, I think that it's really important to actually talk about this. Is you know how to sell myself, how to mm. showcase the work I've done. Mm. You know, and I've spoken about this, I think, previously with you before, Krupa. Is this idea that you know you you bring so many things to the role, and so and so and what happens is, is that. You know, you you think your work will speak for itself, but actually it doesn't. And you need to be able to step up into that leadership role. You need to be able to showcase and sell yourself and say, look, these are my strengths. This is what the impact of the work I've done. And it's kind of, you know, some people are really good with that. They've got a real good knack about talking about all of the amazing, amazing uh, kind of things that they've done, the impact that they've had. And and it takes a team to get there. And so, and this is kind of back to the comeback to leadership. If you think about spotlight the spotlight should be facing upwards it's 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 going everywhere it's everyone is under that spotlight whereas with 
some it's it's really just on themselves and i think it's being able to be really real about how are you presenting that and how do you share that experience and actually leadership comes with saying the team and i we you know it's and that's okay it doesn't make you any less of a leader you still were directing that journey mm. um so but so so set, being able to sell that though mm. not everyone knows that no and also the person that's listening hearing that yeah you know where where are their values they might be red and being quite you know i want to be able to i want to hear what you've done and tell me what you've done and how you've got that and I, I get that there are some scenarios you need to be able to do that but you know in terms of us like i say come back to flattening the hierarchy you know there is the power of we is is really substantial we are we are humans that are meant to interlink and to to work together not in silos so going back to the point of being able to sell yourself mm. i would say that um you know it's you shouldn't be afraid to showcase what you do you know whether it's building teams whether that's bringing people together yeah. whether it's you know being able to hone relationships whether it's that you know um whether it's like you know you can create real impact and lead uh, by example whatever that looks like you know it's you need to be able to have those skills to sell yourself and showcase yourself and I don't think that happens enough early on in the career I think it's just like you kind of learn and you uh, it just it just either some people either you're good at it or either it takes you a long time to learn it mm-hmm. you know by watching other people and things like that I think maybe earlier on yeah it I agree happen. yeah because good shout yeah because I think the other element is is that when people if people do end up moving away from teaching in the you know in the classroom they've still got enough and so many uh, strengths and qualities and transferable skills, skills that can yeah. be shifted anywhere else and i think that regardless of you know what position you're in you know what whatever role you're stepping up to having the ability to sell that is really important and i think that links really nicely into sunday serenity moment so a jingle just a for jingle that right <laughs> so i was just thinking about you know this whole conversation we're having about stepping up into leadership and for me i think it's about um i, th- I think that this is this is like something i want everyone to focus on um and that is you know have this shift one of the biggest shifts that you will have, especially if you're moving into a new senior leadership position, whether it's internal, uh, um, it, um, internally recruited or external uh, recruitment, um, is this is this ability or willingness to be uncomfortable? Yeah. Because when you first step into the leadership position, you will be a little bit uncomfortable with certain situations and certain scenarios. Um, and what you want to be able to do is that you want to be able to step in and make have an impact. You know, in a way, you want to have an impact on the world, but obviously you can't have an impact on the whole world, but you want to have an impact, right? Um, so each of us have our own comfort zone. And for what we need to be mindful of is that you know when you stay too long in your comfort zone you will not learn and grow and there's this there's this place between your comfort zone and the stress anxiety zone yes. which is that growth yes zone. and that's a happy place to be because it's ideal for learning and growing so when you move into your leadership role be comfortable with going into that growth zone yeah. 
Tim Ferriss in his book, The 4-Hour Week, which is something I referred to before, he advises, um, so he suggests that, you know, you take on uh, small comfort challenge activities daily. um, And the premise behind that is that you become familiar with discomfort. So when you do take that bigger step, when you take that stride into leadership, you're okay with being uncomfortable. I like that. Brilliant. Thank you very much. So that's the end of our show, folks. Um, We've hoped you've enjoyed our conversation around uh, what it means to step into leadership. We hope you've learned uh, through our mistakes and through our journey um, what it means to actually grow into the type of leader that has the impact that you want to have. Um, So take it easy. Hope you have a great week. and a rest of, and it's a beautiful day, so I hope you get to make the most of it. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.